Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Okay, podcast, episode 46 with me, Dan the Fitness Man. Today, I'm bringing on Tyler Woods, an Idaho blue-collar elk killer. Guy's in great shape, family man. He's going to drop some great knowledge. He's killed some giants on public land. And he's just got a great attitude. He's a solo hunter, so you guys are going to get some great information. But first, let's do that thing on podcasts where they talk about their sponsors real quick. So well, I'm going to do that now. I hardly do it, but I got to do it every once in a while, pay some bills. Hoyt Archery RX3. Just got it. It's tuned. It's dialed. It's ready for late season whitetail. It's way quieter than the bow last year. Huge upgrade. Check it out. Go shoot it. PodiumArcher.com. That is from Spokane Valley Archery. They make my strings for all my bows. And they use BCY452X. And those attending the Elk Shape Camp are going to get a great opportunity to pay for strings and ship their bow to the archery shop ahead of time. And when you arrive for Elk Shape Camp, your bow will be ready to go. All we need to do is tie the peep in and you'll have the same strings that I run your bow will be tuned, and you'll be ready to rock the, the range day, if you will. So check them out, PodiumArcher.com. Ask for Josh Jones. If you call Spokane Valley Archery, tell them Elk Shape sent you. Easton Archery Full Metal Jacket. That's the arrow of choice, tipped with the Grim Reaper Pro Series. That three-blade Hades is awesome. On the back end, I got uh, bl- basically blazer two-inch with a three-degree offset. I like to put a little bit of a wrap on there. And yeah, on my feet is the Kittatrek boots. If you use the promo code Elkshape at checkout, you'll receive a free pair of gaiters. And their gaiters are sick. So check that out. Sick of gear uh, with the subalpine has been my favorite thing to hit the uh, Elkwoods with. It is It fits really well with the Nevada high country to the brushy country north Idaho. And the learning system will keep skinny guys like myself warm. Vortex optics, the Razor 10x42 Coupled with the Vortex Ranger 1000, that's my go-to for my setup. On my back is an XL Mountain Gear. Generally, I use a 3500 bag. 
I love their pockets. I love how lightweight. And with the load sling mechanism, you don't have to waste a trip back to the truck to get the pack frame. You can take the first load out. Hopefully your meat is in caribou game bags or some other synthetic game bags. That's what I use. Don't use cheesecloth. Onyx Hunt app, I think everyone knows about it and should have it by now if you hunt near public and private. But also use that tracking feature so you can basically save all the elk trails on your phone and you can use your phone on airplane mode. That's right, your phone still uses GPS when it's shut off on airplane mode and you can save your tracks, save the elk trails and travel the woods more efficiently. This year I used Off Grid Food Co. for my freeze-dried meals and they are delicious. The bison chili is amazing. Even the quail is to die for, and they're out of Washington State, so I got nothing but love for them. Lastly, FNX Supplements made the switch. They're made for CrossFitters. I'm taking the krill oil, the cricket protein. That's right, cricket protein, very nutrient-dense. They have a pre-workout that does not have caffeine. That's awesome. And they have great BCAAs plus you know some sleep aids, some AM proteins. They got a whole bunch of stuff. Check them out. All right, let's bring Tyler Woods on. Let's get after it. Here we go. Elk Shape Podcast, episode 46. Tyler, what's up, man? You're in person. This is new. Well, I hope I, hope I don't uh, embarrass the family here. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. So I don't even really know you that well. I got your number from a mutual friend. I knew you were a badass inside the gym. I knew you were a badass when it came to elk hunting public land. I know you're a blue-collar guy. You're like the perfect – like you're like picture-perfect – person to have on this podcast so tell us about yourself your background all that kind of stuff well i don't <clears throat> i don't know about the uh the pre preconceived uh notions uh about that but no i'm just a simple simple guy i grew up uh grew up in a little town on the clearwater river Kamii. uh <clears throat> pretty much yeah i lived there all my life went away went away to college for a few years but my folks I uh, had a place up on the hill about 10 miles out of town, so I grew up in the sticks, man. It was, uh, I couldn't couldn't ask for a better place to grow up. Oh, I, wow. It was out my back door, you know, poss- in, po- endless possibilities as a kid. Wow. So I was, <clears throat> I mean, just grew up exploring on my own, just seeing country, you know, I from as, you know, as young as I was, well, anything, building forts to... Just striking out, you know, it was, you just can't ask for a better a better place to, to grow up like that. So Kamii is off of Highway 12. It's kind of like your gateway to some beautiful country. You could keep heading east, and you're going to eventually hit Montana. You're talking Locksaw River. What other rivers there's? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, up the up Highway 12 there, you got the Locksaw, um, about 50 miles. That's about 40 miles from Kamii there. You have the, where the Selway comes in forms a middle fork and all that country you know <clears throat> between there and the montana border and then up to the north fork of the clear water and then that gets up here yeah up to the up to the joe and stuff oh wow so all that all that country grew up you know fishing and grew up in the grew up in those mountains and on those rivers you That's know pretty cool. how, how old are you i'm uh 36 okay so we're real close in age so We'll definitely get to, don't let me forget, I want to like hear about the evolution of elk. Absolutely. Uh, what it's been like for you. You bet. We brought um, a guy, a neighbor of yours on the last one, Dirk Durham. He lives in Orfino. Yeah. He's a badass, and 
he hunts everything you just said and then some too and so it was so interesting to me to hear his perspective on heyday like 90s yeah and even early 2000s and then just took a a royal shit they did with the wolves but we'll, we'll get into that we don't have to be uh go right to that topic so let's when did you start elk hunting specifically and then when did you pick up a bow how did that process work well probably probably pretty common to uh you know most guys most kids growing up in this part of the country is i started rifle hunting um 12 years old in idaho uh, i i think that i think that year was my first my first year elk hunting uh my dad didn't buy me a rifle but yeah he gave me an old uh an old german gun that my granddad had brought back from the war and it was a 16 gauge side by side with a eight millimeter on the bottom and it had a german sniper scope on it so wow. that so that was my first that was so that it, so, here, so that's kind of the uh precursor to this first you know the first hunt and it's just uh dad and i went out and what's your effective range with that thing you know what i didn't i didn't he didn't let me shoot it before oh okay he just said there's a bullet in there put that put that in the I feel like and I'll, I'll find out and you'll find out why here yeah i was yeah, gonna say like i'm yeah. pretty sure i know where your dad's yeah. head's at there yeah so we uh <clears throat> found a this is rifle season october found a lone bull out in a out in a clear cut and uh dad got a shot into him with his his gun and you know we're amped up and trailed him followed him into the brush and we jumped that bull well i pulled up to shoot the bull and the that as soon as I pulled up, the gun gets jerked out of my hand. My dad pulled up and shot shot the bullet. <laughs> <laughs> he was out of ammo, so he yeah. grabbed. Yeah. So that was my that was my first uh, that was kind of my first experience elk hunting, uh, and I kind of got to see the uh, the toils and the uh, you know the the ins and outs of it. Watched my dad pack meat all day. You know, I was just a pup. And yeah. I I packed the packs and the guns, but man, it was uh, it was pretty eye opening seeing how beat. He was after packing a bull out of a hole. Yeah. And, you know, back then, you know, I think, you know, he was kind of from the old, the old adage of when you quarter an elk, you're taking, you're taking ribs, you know, oh, yeah. you're, you're taking the hind quarter and ribs, front quarter and ribs, and it's going on your back on some hunk of aluminum, you know, if, if that might've been one of those old forest service, you know, wood pack frames, but yeah, that was, that kind of, that kind of like set the tone. You know, it kind of, you know, I'll never forget that rainy day, you know, watching him, watching him pack meat up the hill like that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you got hooked right away. Is your dad still around? He's still. Oh, coming? yeah. No, yeah, he is. Yeah. He's actually retired and he's got, he's got, he's got a lot of time to chase critters. He, he, uh, he's, he's really, he likes steelhead fishing on the clear water. That's what oh, yeah. he does this time of year right now. So yeah. he's, he's hooking steelhead right now on the, on the river. That's pretty cool. Okay, so you're 12. I say you got a pretty good education on your first time out. When do you finally get into elk and get to hunt for yourself? So, he, yeah, uh, shortly thereafter, um, I think, yeah, the next year I drew a cow tag uh, down in in the, uh, you know, in the Clearwater Bay, in those units down there. And I shot a cow. So my first elk was a cow. Um, it was great, you know, kind of the same same deal actually i was i was i was by myself actually dad and i kind of split up and i, I don't know what it, you get a premonition sometimes that you just need to sit down and yep. uh something tells you in your gut i just you know i'm gonna sit on the stump right here and i'll be damned if if about six head didn't come over a hill and come right below me and i, I dumped the lead cow and 
Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. And that, yeah, so that was my first elk, man. I was, I was ecstatic and yeah, it was, it's it just been ingrained in me for so, you know, it's just, yeah. you know, down even up here in the North Idaho, I mean, people talk about, you know, elk hunting, like the weather, you know, you, you the old timers at the cafe, you know, they're talking, you go in there and they're, I guarantee there's conversations. Ah, what you been seeing any elk up, up Smith Creek or, you know, it's just, it's just, in, you know, it's just a big part of people's, you know, livelihood. Yeah, it is. It's, it's as common as talking about the weather. So you've probably lived off elk meat your whole life. Absolutely. Yeah. It, yeah. Every, yeah. If <laughs> there's a few years that uh, we weren't so fortunate and not getting elk, you know, and yeah, it's, it's a big deal. It is. It's so, uh, I don't know. And it's, it just, it's, it's great. It's, it's the best, it's the best thing you can put in your body. Oh, you know, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like performance enhancing drugs. It is. It is. That's cool. When did you get a bow in your hand? So I, I, my dad bought me a bow. I, I was in high school. Uh, as a Dave Powers, he built him an outdoor fino. It was a, it was a Clearwater Power Mag, and I think that thing was like eighty pounds. I, I, it was, it was hard to pull back. So and I, I fooled around with the recurve a little bit, but I didn't, I didn't really hunt anything um, during during high school. I played football. So I didn't that right in the middle of archery season. Yep. Um, so I didn't really elk hunt with bow until <clears throat> uh, I got I got done with college in 2005. Um, and I had actually I went to, I went to school in North Dakota, and I shot a whitetail out of a tree stand over there, and I, I and I knew you know I knew. I knew then that I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta come back and I gotta, I gotta chase elk with a bow because Absolutely. it killed me every every year over there in school. Hearing guys over here, you know, at September, you know, yeah. But uh, yeah, heck, there was a, I, I'd have to go get my fix. There was a, there was an elk ranch over there in North Dakota, and I would, I'd drive out there at night. And, <laughs> take a date out there and uh, you know those flatlanders they'd never heard an elk bugle so yeah. i i go out there bugle at the elk in the high fence just to hear an elk bugle you know get just to fill the void that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah I'd probably do the same thing yeah so i so oh five was my first uh i got back i, I fought fire for the forest service in the summers in okay. between so uh 2005 i was working graduated uh working for the forest service and that was my first year bow hunting elk how was uh how was that year learning curve wise and i mean were you able to uh, oh dan i you know make I've, all the mistakes i've oh i've made so many mistakes uh, it's I, I still still if you're not making mistakes man it's it's just inevitable but that first year you know um i I'm trying to think I, I got a bow from a guy alpine archery in lewiston they oh, make yeah. alpine bows yeah new buddy that worked there they still make them i think they do yeah i think they do uh, buddy worked there, and I said, "Hey, what? What can you? What can you? You got any hot deals on bows down there?" And he got me a bow. So I got set up, got some arrows, got some, got the old uh, 100 grain thunderheads, and I I was hitting a target at 40 yards. Perfect. It's good. Yeah. Yep. So uh, set out. Um, uh, mostly we, yeah, mostly weekends. But the the beauty about working the Forest Service. Is that uh, we were always clearing when we weren't finding fire, we we're clearing roads, clearing trails, and that kind of turned into scouting. Oh yeah, yeah. 
so that that kind of worked out that worked hand in hand so i had throughout the summer kind of you know found uh found a few areas that i wanted to go sneak into and and uh try um i think we started that year off i was gonna shoot in the unitized hunt you can shoot a cower cower bull uh, i was gonna shoot the first you know first broadside elk yeah that i had i mean i had that in my mind i wasn't I wasn't going to be picky. I wanted to get, I wanted to get an arrow and something. Um, I called a cow in, uh, first or second time I was out, called three cows in, uh, whining on one of those, I think it was Wayne Carlton, probably open read, just whining on that thing. And I don't know if three cows come up and, uh, come up the hill to me and they came right underneath me and I airmailed one over the back. <laughs> of the cow i got that got that out of the way and gathered myself and um a few days later uh, i got into got into a herd uh, i'd kind of seen them moving through the timber and, and made a loop and got in front of them thought i had it all figured out watched the cows come out um had a bull big six point behind them of course here he comes Thought I had a range on him, and uh, I stopped him, and he, I shot right, under, I grazed, he, grazed his belly. Yeah. He was at 50 yards. I, I thought he was 40. Mm-hmm. But, so I got two misses out of the way right off the bat. Uh, but I was in elk. I was, you know, um, Doing some really on my own. Things, yeah. You know, I, I, I've, I've, I've only hunted solo uh, elk. So that, I started, I, st- I mean, it was just, I, just kind of led into that, you know. I, oh, oh, we guys probably stop and talk about that because, like, man, a lot of guys are afraid to hunt solo, or it's just not even a natural thought. Like elk hunting is a buddy thing, mm-hmm. and it couldn't be any more different for sounds like both of us. Like, mm-hmm. I've tried a little bit hunting with people, and I've enjoyed it, but I there's no comparison. I love hunting by myself. Yeah, no, no, I, I Why agree. Why do you think that is? You know, I don't know. I think it, uh, it, I think it was just kind of a matter of circumstances back then. You know, my dad was still working. I just had limited time, and you know, I, I didn't want to. You know, I just wanted to go. Yeah, I wanted to go. I wanted to get the heck out and just get in the woods. And um, so, so in, during that first year, um, I had moved moved to a different part of the unit, um, and. Uh, deep, deep country. Yeah. Uh, like you, like you're all too familiar with. Uh, we were doing, we were doing some burning, some fall burning in this area, and the week before, and the, I heard a bull bugling, so I'm running cows. So I'm back. Came back that Saturday. Um, got in there. Uh, nothing, nothing talking. You know, bugling off the off the tops. Uh, finally got one, finally got one to commit, uh, moved down on him. This is part of the learning curve. Open cut, open clear cut. Um, could see him and I positioned myself to where I could watch him come in. Well, we all know now that, uh, if, if an elk could see where that noise is coming from and they don't see an elk, it's not, you know, they're going to they're they're put the brakes on and that's exactly what happened here. Yeah. I'm standing out in front of a tree. Top of a clear cut, this bull's working his way up, and he got to the magical 100-yard freeze up, didn't see an elk, and doubled back. So that was the end of that little uh, experience for the first part of the day. Um, I then proceeded to bail down in a hole 
where I saw that elk, the big, the six point from the, when we were in there working, uh, bailed down the hole and I was just, uh, I got down to the bottom, creek bottom and it was just kind of cold calling my way down in there, cow calling as I, as I walked and, uh, you know, at the bottom of those creeks, you know, pretty steep on both sides. Yeah. And I'll be damned if I didn't see legs coming on the opposite side. And here I, I you know, I just kind of cold call my way down here. I'm down in a big cedar bottom. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Is it thick? It's, you know, you know, it's thick getting down in there, but once you get in those cedars, you know, it, it, it kind of opens up. Yep. So, yeah. yep. Kind of that old growth. And, uh, a bu- this bull's coming, coming down a trail and I'm, I'm standing on a trail and I get to, I start putting the pieces together and I'm on the same trail. He's coming. No. So okay. he's, he's coming. Yeah. So I uh, slap an arrow on and he gets to the creek and sure enough, he's coming right up the trail. So I just, you know, kind of held still and I drew back when he got on the same side as me. Um, he came to about nine yards looking, looking at me. So my first, my first arrow loosed was the, was the, uh, controversial controversial frontal frontal shot oh man so i i you know just uh put it where i thought it needed to be which was where did you think at the time so right i you know i knew i knew from working up deer and elk before you know i knew about that the sternum right there yeah. I, I knew that nothing you know you'd be hard pressed to get anything through that so i always saw it just a you know higher than that sternum yeah a l- little lower than the adam's apple yeah can't tell you that that's what i was thinking that day but i just knew to stay away from the sternum yeah um and i <clears throat> he stopped obviously he saw me i was at full draw and i cut one loose and the arrow disappeared and you know i was rattled i, di- I didn't know if i missed or hit or yeah it just disappears i didn't you know you were just nine yards from a big bull yeah and you have hardly an experience with a bow yeah yeah and that arrow's gone it's gone now was he he was obviously slightly downhill he was, you know, he was slight, yeah, slightly down. Yep, cause, yep, slightly downhill, looking straight dead at me. That's probably a dead elk. Anyways, Terry, on that's my prediction. No, so yeah, like I said, the arrow disappeared. I'm rattled to beat hell, and uh, he wheels around and runs off. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of watching him, and he starts doing the the stutter, and within 15 yards, he's rolling, and he managed to do me a favor and roll all the way down to the creek. Yeah. Yeah. But here's, you know, in a matter of, you know, a, a, you know, probably a month, you know, three weeks of my first, you know, elk season. And this, you know, it just happens like that sometimes. And yeah. it just, it just worked out. And here I'm looking at a, looking at a dead bull in the bottom of a creek. And I think at that time, hell, I didn't know if I had a, I think I had a fanny pack on, probably. I didn't. Oh my I don't, God. Yeah, you know, I had a fanny pack with a knife and probably some shoot cord, and you know. So here we here we are, you know, go down and look at this bull, and yeah, it, uh, yeah, the arrow went in right right in that opening, and when I was working him up, it it made it all the way through, yeah, damn near, come out the ass end. That's why that downhill frontal, slightly downhill, that angle. You're gonna. It's gonna go through some stuff. Where, it yeah. absolutely, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you know that's, you know, you hear you hear a lot of stuff, a lot of you know, uh, a lot of conversations on that shot. And it's, you know, yeah, in my opinion, yeah, it's definitely a, a close quarter shot. And the more the more straight on, you know, the more straight on they are. If you hit that wind, you know, you hit that windpipe. 
you know that's going to cut the oxygen off but yeah once you you get you hit that opening right it yeah it does some damage i don't think it's a bad shot i think if that bull had been 10 yards further and then 20 yards further 30 yards i the further and further you try to do that shot, the odds are down. Absolutely. And you're really doing a disservice to the animal yourself. Um, I like the idea that it was slightly downhill because I've seen this year alone, I watched my dad. I've seen my dad kill a frontal back in 2009. He was the first person I'd ever seen do it. I was calling for him. And I actually was, we were pretty close when I was calling. So I got to see that everything happened. It was like 11 yard shot. And he put it off to the side a little bit mm-hmm. and avoided that sternum. Mm hmm. And I mean, that bull like did exactly what you said. I mean, went maybe 40 yards and started staggering around and then fell over. It was like, holy smokes. Yeah. And yeah. then he buried it to the fletching. Um, and then this year I watch him take a frontal shot slightly uphill at five yards. Mm-hmm. And then he just, his arrow ricocheted off of a, uh, a rib into the shoulder blade. Didn't even hit anywhere sure. center. Sure. And, uh, God, that was horrible. That was a nightmare. Uh, that bull lived. And, like, not only did that bull live, that bull was bugling that day and chasing cows. Absolutely. It was crazy. I'm glad we f- caught up and saw that. Sure. I would assume that we lost the bull and that he died yep. somewhere. And then I ended up killing my second bull in Idaho this year with a frontal six-yard shot slightly downhill. Yep. A little off the center. Mm-hmm. And that bull just died so fast. Yep. Like 30 yards. Yep. Okay. So all that is to say is guys listening to this. Here's, I just got to remind them a couple things. Tyler grew up in the sticks. Tyler grew up building forts, running trails. So you're already a woodsman. You're already in the mountains. You're in the backcountry of where you're hunting. You have your dad, a mentor, taking you, teaching you your understanding elk behavior, elk patterns, elk biology. Then you're a young guy in shape working for the Forest Service, getting paid to scout elk. You add all those things up, and you know where to find elk. You know where to walk for elk. And who cares if you're a shitty elk caller? At this point, you understand how the sounds elk make and try to get as close to that. That's all you need. But the biggest takeaway, I'm just like, okay, this guy, yeah, your elk hunting learning curve was not just three weeks there. It was a lot longer. You learned so much through, and a lot of people just don't have that. So – so there's a lot more to the story, you know, navigating elk trails in Idaho is difficult and you had worked for the forest service, you're clearing trail, you're fighting fires. The dude knows how to walk on the mountains, the easiest, most efficient way. And guess what? That just happens to be the, well, the way elk travel too. So I think all those added up to that quick success. That wasn't a mistake. Like it was a culmination of your upbringing, your mentorship. Yeah. You know, definitely, definitely. And you know, like it like i hit on before you know it's just a you know the big you know, the outdoors and hunting and bringing food home it's just a big such a big part of people's livelihood and i was just enamored by any kind of critter you know whitetail and elk and i you know i was always i was always out and i was interacting with them even before i could hunt you know there was in the spring the cows would come in the meadows with their you know to calve and i'd belly crawl out through the tall grass just to see how close i could get to them and listen to them and and I had been on, uh, I had been on a, a few hunts in high school before I bow hunted, and you know had been in to some bugling bulls with with other guy, you know, just tagging along, just hearing yeah. bulls bugle, and man, it, yeah, it uh, it sets in, it sets in pretty hard, and uh, you know that you you talk about, you know, moving moving through the country the way the elk do, that was, you know that. 
that first year, you know, even the first few years, man, I, I'd hear a bugle in the bottom of a hole and I would disregard and bail down. I'd chase that bugle to the bottom of the, you know, bottom of the creek and up the other side. Well, <clears throat> as you evolve and get a little smarter, I guess, and, and uh, kind of figure things out, those elk, they, those elk contour that steep country. Uh, you, you kind of look like a, like a, you know, like a contour map. The trails that they use contour that steep country. They're not going up and down. They're they're gonna, they're going to contour they're to their to their beds to their roosts. And once you once you once you can kind of figure that out, it's gonna it's gonna save you a lot of a lot of wasted energy. Oh my gosh! I wish someone would have told me oh. that when I started. You 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 got to yeah idiot. yeah you you got you almost got to you almost got to make you almost got to you you almost have to live through that process too. To really have it, you know, click and yeah. appreciate, you know, these, these things, they move with the path of least resistance. When you start using their paved roads, their highways, yep. their freeways, yep. uh, you, you run into them more. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. And you cover ground more efficiently. Uh, you Energy is probably one of the most precious commodities in the backcountry. Absolutely. And uh, whatever backcountry means, that's such a loose term. But yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. When you're a long yep. ways from the truck. Yep. That's my term of backcountry. So... Take us through from 2006 to present. Now, I don't like so people should know. Like, I don't know Tyler very well yet. Uh, we'd be buddies if you lived closer. <laughs> uh, tell us about. Here's what I know about. I just know you hunt solo, and then I see pictures every year, year in year out, of big old herd bulls killed by this guy who's pretty jacked, blue collar dude who's busting his ass. And I want to hear as much secret sauce as you want to give away as far as how are you doing it. How can we be like Tyler? Well, I don't know. Like I said, man. I, yeah, I've 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 had some I've had some luck in the elk woods, but I I would much, man. I would much rather people know me as, you know, that good friend, a good father, you know, a good husband. That's you know. Yes. I, first and foremost, that's 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 my, that's my main. You know, that's that's my uh, concern. That's my main. You know. Sure, certainly. And how many kids do you have? I have two, two little boy uh he's he'll be six next week and then little girl's three. Oh yeah so i get it your life's really busy you bet you know oh, yeah. yeah yeah but it's i mean that's that's what i was put on this earth for for sure to for certain care for them and to be to look after my wife yeah definitely yep and so this is even better so you're a solo hunter you've had a lot of success uh you have a lot of prowess in the backcountry and now i know you're balancing work and family because you can provide being a dad taking care of kids being there for him i mean you have to juggle selfish ambition absolutely how's that how's that worked these last six years as you've been a father uh definitely you know definitely you you just have to you put them first and foremost and your hunting time comes second um it's it's there it may be limited and that's a, that's part of a big reason that why I you know I I I hunt solo you know I you know, I've got a great bunch of friends you know that would take the shirt off their back for anybody mm-hmm. and you know we kind of have that common common thread there um but I just that my time in the woods is is short and I I don't want to be that guy that hunts with a guy and I kill a bull the first day and uh, he's still got a tag to punch and I, I can't be, I can't, you know, you're like, okay, I'm, great. I'm going home. I can't. I, and I don't want to do that. To, I don't want to yeah. do that. I'm not going to do that to my friends. Yeah. And yeah, they're so, 
that just from the schedule and to to keep things going it's smooth at home i it's just you know it's just easy for me to set my own schedule here's my here's my days blocked out i'm going yeah so so that's kind of you know and then as as things grow and kid you know things get busier you know we're gonna have to do a little more forecasting like the idea of getting things on a calendar and marking things out and making sure you got your dates yeah Here's what we're doing, you know, family stuff. Everything's communicated. Absolutely. And and I got to do a better job of that. It's difficult because I, I get caught all the time. My wife's like, you didn't tell me that. And I'm like, gosh, I, it's the same thing I do every year. Why, yeah. why, why? Okay, so, all right, take a step back and really just don't assume anything. Like, assume nothing. Exactly. Assume that it, because like literally been married for 10 years, my wife probably still just doesn't understand the way i think yep no nope, i'm with you yeah. i have two filters i mean it's like literally uh is what i'm going to do provide for our family and is what i'm going to do make me better at a better version of dan you bet and you bet. everything else falls into play underneath those two filters so provide for the family and make yourself as best as you can yep. you know yep. um and being married's hard. So does your did your wife hunt at all? Did she nope. does she care less about hunting? No, she uh doesn't hunt. She grew up in North Dakota. Um I think her dad probably bird hunted and then deer hunted a little bit, but it was kinda of, kinda of next level, uh moving to Idaho. Uh she she appreciates the fact that it gives you know, it gives me a, a time to to shut to shut off. Yeah. Um she likes the meat, she likes having a freezer full of meat. They uh, all do. Yeah. Yeah, so I think, you know, it's just a matter of uh, balancing that and making sure everything's taken care of. So when you go out, your 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 head's clear. Uh, you can focus on focus on the task at hand. And I got a ton of support from my 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 mom and dad. You know, yeah. During during September, they they kind they kind of know the drill. Um, so that's that's obviously that's obviously huge to uh, getting some time. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So having a six year old boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have two boys, but a six boy and a girl. Oh, you have a boy and a girl. What's yep. your daughter's name? Uh, Parker. Parker. Yeah. And she's three. She's three. She's ball fire. I tell you, uh, having a boy and a girl myself, I love my son. He's cool, but I will discipline him in two seconds. He's, he's not getting away with anything, but I am path- like, I was just talking to my wife at breakfast and I'm like, I'm pretty much a marshmallow on my daughter. And, uh, is that the same for you? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. She's got me wrapped. <laughs> Oh, big time! Yeah, I uh, yeah. There's something there that you hear you hear people say. There's something about a little girl that just melts your heart. And man, yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to compare notes and see if I was the only one no, who's soft no. when it came to your little girl. No, oh, absolutely. She's yeah. She's right in the middle, right in the middle palm of my hand. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Yeah. So then you started elk hunting solo. You had some success. You got a frontal shot. Um, I'm just really curious as to. How are you doing it the next few years? How are you deciding where to go? Um, what's your process as far as learning the right gear, hunting solo? Because you do have to be pretty dialed on your gear. And what's your tactics to put these bulls down, especially where you're going? Um, Jason always was telling me you were hunting some areas that were really wolfed out and still finding a mature bull here or there left. And I know from firsthand experience, when you're hunting wolf country, where the wolves were prominent in like 05 on, mm-hmm. Uh, th- there may be a few elk there, but there's it's it may be days between bugles. Absolutely, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah they uh, they change the game a little bit the the uh, the wolves. Um, but I guess going back to kind of building building the uh, 
build the, the backcountry gear list, you know, that first year, uh, first couple of years before I kind of, before I kind of, you know, got more knowledgeable about archery hunting and being close to elk, I fit, you know, I thought I had to have, uh, I went on about scent lock, scent lock pants. I had a, I had a fleece, uh, as a fleece hotter than hell fleece set lock shirt but i, I figured I, I figured that'd give me an edge you know why did we all do that oh. at one point those crooks oh so here I, so middle <laughs> september i'm sweating i mean just sweating more than i need to because i think i got to wear this set lock fleece crap so i so that, i did that for a couple of years so my second year um i kind of hunted the same areas kind of more roaded areas um yeah. more uh Probably a little more people, but you know, I never, I've, I've never really, I've, I've heard, I've heard the guys bugling off the four wheelers, and I've heard them, you know, I've heard that, but I, I've never really had uh, pressure no. from other guys. Um, so the second year, I kind of uh, went to the same area uh, where I had missed the bull uh, the year previous, and uh, you know, I, I think that's a huge thing, uh, getting, getting really familiar with an area. Oh, I yeah. think it just cut. I mean. The more intimate you know that area and kind of know the trails and know the game, you know, kind of know how they move through that. I mean, it just, if you don't have time, just knowing an area cuts, cuts, cuts things in half, you know, cuts that time in half. And I, um, it's kind of a, kind of a unique story on the, on the second, the second year I, uh, was working that same area and just kind of cold calling, cow calling. That was kind of that was kind of what worked here before. So I was going to do the same thing as yeah. I walk walk through the woods, just cow calling, and uh, heard bull bugle. Um, and I was I was actually on my way back to my pickup. Um, heard a bull bugle in the timber, and I so I just kind of slipped off and uh, felt the wind, you know, coming uphill. Thought everything's good. Got in there and I let one one kind of just a spike squeal what i thought would sound like a spike squeal and a cow call and i see legs I see legs coming so here we go here we go again and uh got an arrow on and here come a bull he stopped broadside at 31 yards and i let it fly and it heard him crash like instant you know within 20 yards yep I, I'm just kind of in disbelief right now, you know. I, it's hit, you know. I'm second year in, uh, and there's I got another bull on the ground. You know, I just can't. Kind of hard to believe, yeah. You know. So I uh, got down and uh, started working him up. You know, took some pictures or whatever. It's still kind of like, how the hell did this? How did this happen again? You know, this is easy. I know, guys. I, <laughs> you know, you just hear stories from guys that, God, you know, it takes it takes. You know, they may go years yeah. without. You I think know. the average is still seven. Yeah, is what I'm hearing. But. Yeah, so I can, you know, just uh, just very fortunate. You know, very lucky. Um, but I started working this bull up, and I got to looking down the ridge, and I could kind of see the the road. It was probably a hundred, hundred fifty yards, maybe hundred twenty yards, probably. I didn't realize it. I didn't realize where he died that he was that close to the road. So <clears throat> I uh, had the bright idea that I was going to try to drag him, drag him whole. Makes sense to me. <laughs> so I went down and scouted out and cleared a bunch of brush out and went back up and spilled his guts, yeah. you know, get those heavy things out. And I backed my little pickup up to the cut bank and. Foot by foot, I drug that bull 
it was it was a slight slope. Thank goodness. Hell yeah, it, yeah. Any any, it was just the right amount of slope to where it wasn't. I wasn't blowing my guts out every every heave, but yeah. I had cleared some stuff out and I inched him foot, you know, drug him foot by foot down to the top of the cut bank, and I about lost him at the cut bank. You know trying to get him in my tailgate and if i lose him here i'm gonna have to quarter the damn thing on the road yeah so i uh i got him i got him got his, his head it like his head in the back of my back of my pickup and i i heaved i think i probably gave myself a hernia but i you probably did i got him i got him i got that son of a gun <laughs> i got him loaded whole in the back of my little pickup you know, driving feet sticking out, horns sticking out. And I, I'm just picturing like a little Toyota. Or it was a little, yeah, it was a little Chevy Colorado. Oh, a little yep. Chevy Colorado. Yep. Okay. Yep. And <laughs> so, you know, just kind of, just circumstances were right. And I guess I was dumb enough to even think about that. But I, uh, yeah. So I pulled in the driveway and I kind of see my dad cocking his head as I'm getting closer. And he, you know, he's like, "What? What'd you? What'd you do?" <laughs> he's like, what? What happened? I said, "Killed the bull," and I loaded him by myself. He's like, "You did not." It is. I said, "Yeah, yeah." I somehow got him in the back of my pickup, and oh yeah, no, it was, yeah. So <laughs> I don't know if he, st- I don't, he, he, I don't know if he still believes me for that day. But it was, a, it was a fairly big body bull too. It was just a matter of the right circumstance, oh, yeah. and um, you know, it was nice. We laid him out on the tarp, worked him up. Got everything Dude, super my clean. First bowl, we like we didn't know anything, and we like got a four wheeler and trailer, kind of like what you described, like backed up to some cut bank, yeah, with some like come alongs and w- ropes and two guys, and we barely gutted it. Of course, it could we got it whole? I, I don't. We didn't know. Yeah. We didn't know no. anything about. My no. dad did not grow up elk hunting. No, and uh, he had never been with a dead elk until I shot that one with a rifle, mm-hmm. and I'm like 19 or 20. I can't remember. And, we we pulled it up. We just thought that's what you did. Yeah. The one thing that was cool to remember is like we just had this chain hoist. Uh-huh. And like yeah. Got it all the way up there like a deer. Yeah. Hanging and just skinned it. Oh, isn't that nice? And uh, we were we just couldn't believe how big an elk was hanging. I mean that really put a pers- into yeah. perspective compared to a deer because that's all we've known. Yeah, deer absolutely. Yeah. It's crazy. It is, and I don't that'll. That that's one of those once in a lifetime deal. I want to do never... that just to see if I could do that solo. <sighs> that's got to be people will just look at you like, what? That'll never. Yeah, it'll never happen. There's I, there's probably guys still skeptical about it, but I believe you know, it. I, it just it was the right circumstances, and I was just dumb enough to, yeah, I'm gonna give that a shot. I think I can get it down there, and by golly, it worked. That was that was pretty lucky that that all came together. So that's incredible. Yeah, that was that was my second uh, second year. You're two for two. Yeah, which is jeez. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, um, the next, uh, the next. I think I got married that next year. Oh uh, seven, yeah, oh seven. Um, I don't know. I don't. My my luck kind of my luck kind of went dry on the in the Elk Woods for 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 a year or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing nothing to blame other than just elk hunting and yeah. making mistakes and. Uh, you know, just just learning, just trying to learn. It's the it's the missed opportunities that uh, that keep you awake in October. You know what I mean? It's yeah. It, that's what that's what plays through your head. And you, it's a game of inches. Too. It is. It is. And you and you gotta. I mean, if you if you get if you you can you can take those missed opportunities 
and uh, you can get mad and get pissed off, throw your bow and do all that, or you can, you know, kind of replay that in your head and figure out what you're going to do next time to prevent that. Mm -hmm. And that's, I constantly do that. I do that with everything, though. You know, I'm I'm constantly replaying, replaying things in my head and trying to, trying to not make those mistakes. Well, can you tell us like what some of those mistakes were? Okay, so yeah, like tell us what maybe some of those mistakes were that you did early on that you haven't repeated. Um, you know, like. <clears throat> Like like we talked about, uh, chasing bull, chasing bugles straight off a straight off into a nasty a nasty draw or a nasty alder patch. Uh, learning, you know, gradually learning to move with the liver, learn to move how the elk move mm -hmm. in that. I mean, I think that's huge um, to kind of if you can if you can pick up on that stuff early. Uh, that's that's huge. That saves a lot of energy. Um, getting obviously the wind, you know, the, the wind is king. You, you, you can't, you cannot cheat the wind. Um, and it, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good all the time. You just have to, you're not going to, you're not going to get the perfect wind. A lot of the time you just got to move in. You got to make a play when you got to strike when the iron's hot, so to speak. Yes. Um, because it's, it's just not constant. Is it tricky learning the 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 wind scenarios? You know, it's it's a lot more than just oh the wind's coming out of the southwest today, yeah. versus when you're in the mountains, it's its own kind of weather it is. and its own topography. Like, still, still to this day, I hunt new places and I have to like, oh yeah, that okay, that makes sense. The wind would do that. You know, you mm -hmm. still can't always predict exactly what the wind wants to do. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. So kind of you know paying attention to the terrain and um you know, and, and getting familiar with, with an area. I kind of, after that second year, second, third, fourth year, I kind of moved into some more, uh, remote country. Yeah. Um, just kind of by circumstance and the wolves had really, really moved into, to those areas that were, that treated me good those first couple of years. And it, uh, it just, uh, I didn't want to, didn't have time to deal with that. Um, so I kind of picked up and, uh, kind of with another buddy, explored a new area, and nobody didn't didn't see anybody else, you know, scouting or hunting. So we're, yeah, we gave it gave it hell, and that kind of entered a whole new learning curve. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, a lot steeper country, different. Um, you know, there's no not a lot of roads to speak of. Um, it, just a different type of different type of hunting, but uh, you know, it's uh, more re more rewarding. Um, type of hunt just kind of so did you guys start out as a base camp and evolve to backpack or bivy or spike so you know i think back then it was uh we kind of had gear in our truck and we'd sleep in a truck or sleep in a truck um and hunt from the truck type of deal day hunts you know long Mobile. day hunts yep, yeah dark to dark you know and we did that for a couple of years or a year or so uh un unsuccessful um, and then that's kind of when things got busy for both of us kind of split our weight, you know, we, time was, time was of the essence. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I had to go, I had to go solo, you know, mm -hmm. again and, uh, just, uh, just kind of picking up where I left, you know, where I left off, you, you know, we kind of found the area together, but we, you know, we were, we were good, you know, we were both going to hunt it. We just our schedules didn't line up and, yeah you know it was you know he's a great friend of mine and you know we just kind of went our own ways in the you know in the same area yeah kept touching we, we knew where each other was and yeah we always touch base and stuff but um 
I uh, uh, just kind of struck out on my own and and just found elk, found found some elk. Um, I think that uh, that first year up in the new country solo, uh, September 11th, um, oh, 2000, 2010, 2009, um, made a big long pull in the morning, sweating, you know, long, long pull to get some elevation and, uh, get up to the top to switch, switch my shirts out and, uh, bull, bulls bugling on his own, um. Perfect. Down, yep, yep, down in the down, way across another another drainage from me, and and I could tell, you know, he was, I could tell he was going kind of back and forth on a ridge, and I I just kind of cow called just to kind of be subtle, and man, he answered me right back, and I, I you know, it's something I just so I, just, I put my bugle tube put my bugle tube away, and I just kind of dropped some elevation to kind of get more level with him, and every time I cow call, he he would respond. Um, and uh, soon after, you know, he, I could tell he was, he was getting antsy and pretty soon I could hear him coming down. I mean, it's probably 600 yards oh, sh- across yeah. a big drainage. Wow. And here's this bull, I could hear the brush cracking and I was like, oh my God, is he coming down? Is he coming down? Cause he had to go down and then grab another, you know, 400, 500 feet to get to my level. Um, so yeah, he's he's coming and yeah, I tracked him down to the he, you know, I could tell he's at the bottom of the creek and check, you know, the wind's starting to come up, you know, mid morning, wind's starting to come up in my face. I was like, Oh, this might work out and sure enough he starts coming up the other side and um I had you know, just from those hunting those those few years and knowing how elk pinpoint noise mm. they'll you know, they'll hone in on that last call. Yeah. And when you're hunting solo, <clears throat> you know, it, it it all it all kinda came together today on on that on that day. Yep. As far as putting it all putting it all together. But when he when he got up on the same side as me, we're parallel. Yep. Um and I could take you know, he was inside a hundred yards probably. I could I could think so. I I cow called. It was kind of semi open, semi open between us. But I cow called and moved up the hill, probably thirty five yards. And I, he was coming, and he came. That bull came to that last spot that I cow called. That you know, and gave me a thirty thirty yard broadside shot. Um, and I got an arrow in him, and he he made it a little ways down to the bottom again but i mean that just showed me right there that they hone in you know oh, they hone incredible. in on that last call and and when you're hunting solo you got um you gotta you gotta be able to you gotta you gotta just you know you gotta kind of create that illusion you know yeah so how what are some ways to do that besides just physically running up 30 yep. years 30 yards is there anything else you can do yeah you know i've uh call and you know call and move you know that last you make that make sure that last call is you know that you know away from you that they heard that you make sure they they're at a place they can hear it and then either you know loop you know loop out or loop out in front you know make make a loop to to offer a to offer yourself a broadside shot you know that's what that's what we want um i've you know in the in the past few years uh bugling when i'm particularly bugling up bugling up bulls um have uh you know turn away and display that 
noise coming from behind and even bugling straight down into the dirt behind yes um you can do a you can do a full volume bugle so you're not sounding like squeaking on your reed but you can do a full bugle and bugle right into the dirt and it kind of kind of gives that uh illusion of of a bull you know of being farther away and that's 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 worked Yep, I've muffled the end of mm-hmm. the bugle. Mm-hmm. You try to kick him out. Yep. Even then, I still don't feel like if I've let's say it's my last bugle. And I know he's coming. Yeah. I still feel like I can't stand right where nope. I made that last. Even if I tried to muffle it, yep. I feel like I gotta just move a little. Yep. But you do not need a collar to bugle in bulls or cow call to just call even mature bulls in. I I am proof. You are proof. You do not need another collar now. It's a little bit easier, oh, yeah. but I'll tell you this much: when I call for my dad now, I don't let him get out of sight. Like I don't, I don't like calling blind a hundred yards yeah. away. Like I want to know what the bull is yep. doing, what the terrain looks like, where he's set up, and then I try to manipulate yep. where I'm at. But uh, calling elk solo ain't no joke. So did you learn how to call on your own? Did you watch videos? I mean, you grew up in an era that I did where. There wasn't one million podcasts, and YouTube no. wasn't out yet. No. There wasn't an Instagram. Um, you watched VHS or DVDs. Oh yeah. What did you have a, a mentor? Did you know Rocky uh, Jacobson? You know, I I didn't. Uh, I didn't know. I didn't, he was from. He is from Cam or lives in Cami. Yeah. Um, but I didn't. Uh, I don't think he did at the time. He lived in Norfino. I think. Yeah. Jake, they grew up in Norfino there. Right. Um, but my dad, you know, as far as calling, I just remember him earliest days with a reed blowing blowing his bugle man i thought that was the neatest thing oh so your dad was using reeds yeah diving yeah. reeds at that's so okay that's yeah that's pretty rare to do it back then. so cool. i yeah i've i've had a, i've had reeds i've had a reed in my mouth for since i was you awesome. know a pup and i i'd be the, i was that annoying kid at school that would bring a reed to school and <laughs> turkey yelping in class and you know things like that so and then obviously watching the, the everybody watch the primos videos man i got i had had the new Primo's video, every, yep. every first right when it came out. I watched those guys. Dude, those guys ruined me. I, they, uh-huh. they made me think that El Cunning was uh-huh. like what I saw them doing. Uh-huh. Turns out it's not. Opposite, <laughs> <laughs> opposite. Yeah. So you're a public land hunter, man. Um, mm-hmm. You buy your tags over the counter. Mm-hmm. Have you always been that way? I have, Dan. Yeah. Um, I have in, in, until last year. Oh, really? I was... Uh, Last year, it was uh, I was offered a offered a unique opportunity to hunt Utah. Okay. Um, and uh, a, a lease, a private uh, private ground. Okay. So, with a guy with uh, guided. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Tell I'm, me about it. So I'm yeah I'm like, uh, well I, I'm not quite sure how this is going to be, um, but it, you know it was a it was a group of friends a group of us friends going together and that's that's kind of what I want you know that's what that's it was cool. going to be about this time yeah um but going in I you know I wanted to you know I didn't want to be the guy I didn't want to be that guy that's uh guiding the guide type of deal yeah. you know I was just I, I didn't want I just wanted to keep a low footprint and just kind of let things play out and uh luckily man the guys were awesome the guy that was hunting uh with us with me uh really elky really elky guy i mean he, he'd been around the block and we kind of you know kind of had a game plan going in we kind of had a little uh you know i i told him how i had killed elk in the past and you know our our ideas kind of lined up oh, and great. it was it was just like hunting with a buddy um That's cool. 
So it, it, you know. What part of Utah? Um, so we were trying to picture the terrain. Yeah, north, north, um, Morgan, just Logan, uh, north of Salt Lake, an hour toward toward the Wyoming border, just kind of north. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Beautiful. Pretty good country. Oh, beautiful. You know the postcard, Aspen, high elevation. You know, I heard you get the opportunity to go to Utah. I. On it had an empty freezer too, because 2017 did not pan out. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like, I, you can't pass that opportunity. It's seductive, right? I oh, mean, it's like it's yeah. very alluring to to go try something like that and see. Uh, that's why I'm like, okay, well, let's hear how you experience. Like, what do you think afterwards? Y- you know, it was a it was a great experience. Um, different different terrain, obviously. You oh, know, yeah. not we were you know we were pretty much on top of the country, eight nine, eight thousand feet. Um, those aspen those aspen that i've always dreamt about you know yeah. hunting elk and aspens man primos videos of course you know <laughs> so yeah we were in the aspens and um for the most part uh you know it was it was it wasn't a gimme it wasn't a gimme you know like i didn't have i didn't have any you know concept going in that it was going to be a you it know it wasn't a 350 bull around every tree no and right. and the weird you know though you know i was I had an empty freezer. I was, I was going, I wanted to get meat. I, uh, I've never been, I've never passed on a bull. I've never passed on a bull that I've had a, my bow drawn back on, well, you know? Once you've been exposed to elk meat every year, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't, I can't imagine not having elk meat. I've gotten close two years ago where I passed too many elk yeah. and then this whole like winter came in and shut the elk hunting down yeah. for a full week. Yeah. And I was like, that was like my, my prime vacation days. And mm-hmm. like, here we are. It's the 20th. Mm-hmm. I got three days left mm-hmm. and I have two elk tags and I haven't even, I haven't even killed an elk. Yeah. And, uh, that feeling is not a good feeling. Of it's like, not. What if I don't have elk meat this year? What yeah. Am I going to like, what do you do? You yeah. Go buy. Yeah. Beef. Yeah. Meat? What? No, I, yeah. Oh, so yeah, you were bloodthirsty. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, and like you said, it was, it was a good, uh, you know, a good, group of friends and that's that's what it was you know that's that's what that was about i wasn't going to be you know there were some guys that were with us at uh first year at archery elk hunt mm-hmm. and i want you know i was i wanted everybody to have a good experience yep. and if the opportunity arose i was going to take advantage sure um and uh was lucky enough to to kill a nice bull down there um and it was you know elk hunting is elk hunting uh Getting in, you know, getting in. The same tactics apply. The country's a little more open. Yeah. Um. So those, uh, and, you know, you learn. You learn. You got to learn stuff every time you go out. And I, I, you know, I learning stuff. Uh, down there hunting that open stuff. Guy had a, uh, decoy. Uh, silhouette heads yep. up heads up decoy. I think. And in that open, you know, semi-open country, I, I think they're, Is I think, the they're, I think they're pretty key. I wow. think, I think it helped, you know. Mm-hmm. So you know, you take something to apply it up here to our part of the country. If you're hunting a burn or something, yep. you know, that's open, or some open timber, you know, some open old growth timber, you mm-hmm. know, that could, and that's that's something I'm gonna, I'll probably have in my pack for just just to keep in there. Absolutely, yeah, that's really cool. Um, so the 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 area that you were at and stuff, the Utah, did every did the rookie hunters get opportunities at least? Yeah, everybody had uh, every opportunity. Everybody had opportunities, That's which cool. was which was awesome. And That's there was, all you can ask yep, for. Yep, and there was some days that was bulls screaming three sixty. You mm-hmm. know, bulls all around you. 
but it was tough. It was hot, really hot, and they would shut off like they do sometimes yeah. in the morning. Yeah. And um, they were bedding. We figured out where they were bedding, bedding in the same place every day. Oh, and, they were? Yep. Yeah. The group we were in, we were split up. Oh, yeah. Big, big country. Um, so here's a good question. Is there any public anywhere near and around there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, where, so it was bordered. like checking your Onyx going, okay. I could poach a uh-huh. little bit uh-huh. of this, and when I say poach, I mean just yeah. access some public. No, absolutely, absolutely, and there and it was. It wasn't like a and there's absolutely not a high. It was a high fence deal, nothing like that. It was you know just a least chunk of ground that they they hunted on. Yeah. Um and there was like CMWU ground yeah. all around it, yeah. um, and then some some uh, you know other private ground. Yeah, but. No, the the tactics, you know, they're pretty much the same. And uh, you know, I talked with the talked with the guy that was hunting with us, and I said, "Hey, we got to we got to get we got to get in their bedroom before they do. Yeah, we got to get in there because we're we're behind them, and we're not gonna the winds messing with us. We got to get in their bedroom before they get there. And we came up with a good game plan, and sure enough, next day, um, got into got into their bedroom before them, and could see his cows milling around. Uh, he was bugling a little bit up on the hill and, uh, something boom, something got him excited and his cows came and ran right down to us. And the guy behind, he had that heads up decoy and here's a calf five yards, just kind of, you know, standing there and looking, you know, calm. Yep. So there's another cow in the brush. A calm calf? Yeah. That exists. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was, so we got two decoys down here now yeah, and, do. and his, his bull's cows are kind of, they're getting antsy and he's going nuts. He's starting to. He's going nuts, and I could I could kind of tell what was going to happen here. His cows started coming down, and he's zigzagging, running, trying to gather them. And uh, the uh, I I kind of I could tell what was going to go down, and I kind of stepped out in front. Yep. And to position myself to where I thought that bull would come, and sure enough, he came in. Um, he came in and came in frontal. I ranged him. I got a range on him at uh, 40 yards and was just kind of counting down in my head as he came in, you know, counting down in my head. And he stopped at, stopped at 30 and the old eyes started getting big. Uh-oh. You know, he could, I was a full, I um, pulled back by then. I was not. Um, I, I uh, had just drawn, but just gingerly, just, yeah, yeah. just slow. And you can get, you can get away with a little of that sometimes. 100%. If you can draw your bow back slow, yep. <clears throat> you can get away with that. What if you don't practice that though? That's, yeah, that's just it. All right, so you gingerly pulled that bow back. Yeah. Uh, knowing that he, if if he stopped when I got to full draw, good. Um, but I, I, could, I could tell he kind of was getting a little leery. So, yeah, I just drawn back, and I remembered in my head that he was about, you know, 10, large, 10 yards less than he was when I ranged him. So he was about 31 yards, I guessed. And he gave, he looked up to try to sniff, you know, get a, get some wind. And gave me the, uh, gave me that shot right there. He was dead on, straight. Yeah. Looking at me and. Flat. Flat. Wow. Yep. Pretty same level. Wow. So I held, you know, held where I thought I needed to and uh, shot. Again, the arrow disappears. You know, it's it. Lord. <laughs> it just disappears, and you don't know. I didn't see it deflect. You know, I didn't see it deflect anywhere. I didn't see it. Uh, go anywhere and so i'm run away and i just didn't know yeah but if 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 
if it was where did I had you, my was pen. Your guide right over your shoulder. He was he, he was behind. Decoy. Yeah. So he doesn't know either. He sh- he saw the arrow. Okay. He said, "I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that was a hit." Um. So we gave him a little bit and yeah. um. Found some first speck of blood we found was just about the size of your pinky. I was like, "Oh my god, did I hit this bolt to the side?" Oh yeah, that's be a nightmare with an mm-hmm. outfitter too, mm-hmm. right? I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah, because down there, you know, you draw blood, you're done. Done. Yep. Yeah. Which is that's good. Respectable. That's, yep. yep. So. Uh, gave him a little longer after we found that little blood, and um, I said, "All right, we gotta. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna work up here a little bit." And found another little speck. Took about five more steps, and the plug had come out. There, I found, uh, there was a, a you know, looked like somebody dumped a five-gallon bucket full of that frothy, jelloy young lung blood. And he, I looked around the corner, and he wasn't but fifty, yeah, probably fifty yards. He died a good death. He did. He, he did. Died a good death. Yep. That's awesome. Yep. So tipping outfitters and all that stuff too, expenses, re- you know, work, reward. What do you think as far as a lot of guys don't know the differences? Would you say, you know what, that's a good hunt for somebody seasoned like you? Is that a good hunt for somebody who's just brand new and just needs some reps and some education, mentorship? Is that a good hunt no matter what? Or do you still like just – what are you thinking? You know, it's it's kind of weird. Uh, I it, like I said, it was just um, a matter of circumstance. I have a great bunch of friends, uh, and you know, it was it was a gift. I you know, I didn't I didn't pay a dime. Yeah. So, and I you know just grateful for the experience, you Pretty know. Cool. But you know, and the weird thing was is yeah, who want, who doesn't want to kill a great big bull? You know, that's you know absolutely. Yeah. But meat getting fr- meat in the freezer. But it's kind of weird. I want you know, I if I kill a big bull, I want it to be from Idaho. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. I do. So I really wasn't, you know, I I would have been great with a raghorn. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. But it just happened to that that was a, you know it was a nice nice bull. Yeah. Um, but for for new guys. Yeah, for my noobs. For my yeah, noobs, absolutely. Um, you know, I I don't I don't think that's a bad idea at all. If you can you know get together with a you know you got a couple couple three guys that want to you know you know cut that learning curve a little bit. Find a reputable uh, guy outfitting, you know. Um, if you if you got the if you got the funds and yeah. you, you got the time to do that, I think that I think that's a good way. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I spent like I said seven years in Idaho. Mm-hmm. I killed bulls in other states, but I'm just talking about Idaho. Mm-hmm. I, year after a year, and I think my tag was four hundred bucks ish mm-hmm. times seven. Yep, there's twenty eight hundred bucks. Yep. Uh, a license. Yep. There's 150 bucks times seven. Yep. So you know we're almost we're almost up there though to where maybe I potentially could have hired an outfitter. Sure. And learned some things. Sure. Um, but I do think with this day and age, if you are blue collar and that's out of the question, don't even worry about it. No. Do go back in this podcast to some of the little nuggets that I know you just said. Find the area. Mm-hmm. Learn that area. Yeah. Don't go wanderlusting. Go find where some country holds elk and go back year after year get after familiar. year after year and get intimate. Get and familiar. I guarantee you're going to learn something new every year. I go to the same areas in Idaho, about a 20-square-mile area, and I learn something new every year. Yep. And, I, dude, I have a cabin. I can go ride my dirt bike, cut firewood, hang cams. I'm always exploring sure. and learning and just expanding my knowledge. Yep. But that was the best thing I heard you say today was, like, you better know your area. Yeah. So you don't need to hire an outfitter. If no. you can't afford one, then go the over-the-counter, learn the area. Absolutely. Learn how to move like an elk. Absolutely. And then also show up really mentally tough and fit, which is my segue 
And two, I'm staring at a dude who is jacked. <laughs> I think you're jacked. <laughs> I know you do CrossFit. Um, I think you've taught CrossFit. A little bit, I'll, yeah. Did you play college sports? I did. Okay, so yeah. give us your athletic background and what you are doing for fitness as a 36-year-old dad. All right. Well, what you think wor- is working for you. It's not, it's not going to knock the socks off of anybody. All right. But, it, you know, I, uh, I played uh, – I played football growing up, and I got a football scholarship to play football in North Dakota. Yep. I did that, and it was kind of an easy transition. You know, I didn't have a sport anymore after you graduated, so elk hunting. That's my, that's, this, is my, this is going to be my new sport. you got to have something to train for. If I didn't have anything to train for, I'd you know. You What's know. the point? Yeah. So <clears throat> I kind of, you know, adapted that. And in the first few years, I wasn't, I wasn't really – doing anything elk hunt specific to train for i just trying to maintain you know and then i got introduced to crossfit um dove right in uh good buddy of mine used to train at your gym turned me on too he said you got you'd love it try it um so i did i went went all in and yeah i loved it it was just it just fit you know that filled that at you know that that void from playing football and training like i used to and it, you know, I started noticing stomping around out in the out in the woods, man. It was, uh, yeah, it, having that, having just that edge because packing elk meat is the toughest thing you will ever do. It is. I mean, it is. I mean, you can even if you're at the top of your game, you're you're it's, you're going to suffer. You're going to pay a price. It's yeah. all right to suffer. It's all right to suffer. Like, kids don't, you know, kids don't. Really, Kids growing up these days, you know, it, it's all right to suffer a little bit. You know, you got to push that threshold. But CrossFit definitely um, kind of opened my eyes to some avenues there to, yep. to, uh, to help with that. Yeah, so you, it opened your eyes right away to, hey, I can train mm-hmm. for my sport hunting mm-hmm. through CrossFit. I can compete alongside trustworthy peers. Yep. Yep. I want to kick their ass. <laughs> and that pushes you. Yeah. And there's a healthy way. Definitely. I mean, I got to like back feel a little bit. Hey, there's a healthy way to be competitive. Oh, for sure. I definitely went through my stage of an unhealthy approach to CrossFit. Sure. Where it was consuming. We were trying to get to CrossFit games yep. and Absolutely. win competitions. And no, 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 no. Looking back now, like there's a, I'm at a good spot with it. Good. I spend one hour a day yep. exercising. I don't even call it training mm-hmm. anymore. I feel mm-hmm. like. I'm exercising and I'm going to win the day. I'm going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to back down the volume, but I, I'm going to do hard things Mm -hmm. and I'm going to do workouts that I don't want to do. Um, and I'm going to be better for it. So, uh, you've been, so you, you still doing CrossFit? Well, it's so it's so like everything, you know, things evolve. And, uh, with my, my current job, I travel quite a bit during the week, um, uh, within the Northwest. And so I, I don't, I don't have a membership at a, at a box anymore. Uh, I still take that methodol, you know, the methodology and I try to, I take, I, I get a lot of stuff from you, from your, you know, your, your blogs and your, you know, your workouts. Uh, why not? You know, you get, get advice from a guy that's, you know, trying to be in elk shape. Yeah. So a lot of your stuff is great, you know, that I incorporate in, but you know, I have a, I just have a membership to like anytime fitness and they are all over the Northwest. Outstanding. And so I swing in and, you know, get a, get a workout in, um, if it's always going to involve, um, you know, just some, some body weight stuff, pull-ups, um, a lot of ground overhead stuff. I think that's, I think that's pretty, you know, pretty ac- applicable as far as being in the elk woods. Mm-hmm. And it's always going to involve some sort of weighted step-ups if I can't get to hike with a pack on. Um, 
just keep it basic, keep it simple. You know, have some sandbags or something at home, stuff like that. Just keep it applicable to that's that's kind of where it's evolved now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll uh, even you know if if I know I'm going somewhere and there's not anywhere I can hike during the week, grab some elevation. I'll I got a tire in the back of my pig. I'll put a harness on. I'll go find a football field or a park and do some do some tire drags or some you know just it's just a simple simple thing to put a little resistance on and just to kind of keep keep the keep the edge and right now I'm not I'm not, I'm not probably not what you consider to be in elk shape but okay it's just just the last month you know the last yeah. month and a half just been just a blur but that's kind of when when I'm when I'm in the heat of it that's kind of what that's kind of what my program is and I, I try to squeeze it in whenever I can may not be may not be um you know at the same time every day maybe late at night maybe early in the morning maybe lunchtime just get it done just get it done yeah and keep it i man just keep it simple um keep it applicable to you know we're talking elk cutting here keep it ap- applicable to having to lift a quarter you know lift it a quarter off the ground to hang it on a meat pole you know that stuff like that and then obviously your motors for packing for packing meat keep the wheels baby keep the keep the wheels keep the wheels turning keep keep that yep is it uh is it difficult to eat well on the road as much as you are oh what's your strategy definitely um my so my wife's dietitian at a hospital in in down in the valley there and when when i married her she kind of turned she kind of turned you know started dropping bombs and started we started you know you know, she educated me basically on what the hell I was doing, you know, back then. So yeah. I had a good, I had a good head start to that. And I, I think that's kind of carried over, um, to on the road. If I can, I'll try to bring, I'll try to bring food, you know, with good yeah. food. But a lot of times it's, it's eating at, it's eating out and eating at the restaurants and uh, yeah, it can, it can, yeah, it can get, it's easy. It's easy just to eat crap. And that is the easy choice. It is. And you just, just, yeah, just, you can order food. You can order food at a restaurant that's that's you know lean. You don't have to get all the side stuff. You you just want to put fuel. You know, just keep the idea that you're fueling. You want to fuel your body. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, well, I stop by the gas station and have a corn dog every once in a while. Yeah, you yeah. bet. Uh, you bet. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, your but wife you just probably yeah. preaches eighty twenty. Yep. You, you bet. Know? Yep. That corn dog is in the twenty. Sure. But predominantly, sure. you know, you got a big cooler in your truck, or mm-hmm. you you know you customize yep. your your order. Yep. It's not. It's not hard to order. No. Hey, I want two six ounce chicken yep. breasts. Exactly. And when you make bring that salad out, don't put on the, the dressing. Side. Put the dressing on the side. Yep. And hey, do you guys have any, you know, sweet potatoes or mm-hmm. whatever? Yeah. Depending on where you're at. Yep. Um, even Subway's not that bad. No. You know what I mean. But yep. I think if there's if your wise big enough, you'll take the high road. You bet. And yeah. I think that's what it always comes down to. It's not that. Yeah. It's it's not that daunting. It's you, you just get used to doing it. And it's not that bad. Well, man, I know you got to go back to work. Um, where can people find you on the internet Ooh. or keep up with your stories or whatever? Man, I'm I'm a pretty I'm pretty under the radar, low key guy. I, I do I, I I don't do I deleted my Facebook deal. I don't do that anymore. I do keep something just to keep in touch with my buddies that I used to put, you know yep. from school. I do have an Instagram page. I put some pictures on there. Um, it's uh. I think it's Ty Woody twenty two. Okay. Yeah. Ty Woody so twenty two. You'll they'll find you. There'll be some pictures on there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah, like I said, I'm not pretty low key. 
Well, that's what this podcast is all about. It's like I'm on the hunt for guys like you that uh, aren't insta-famous, are doing – they're working. They're supporting a family. But they're getting it done in the Oakwoods, and I want to hear about how they're doing it all and balancing it. I think I think you dropped some knowledge today. and I'm just glad to get to know you, man. I want to maybe elk come with you someday. Likewise. And, and uh, go kill those mountains. Likewise. I think, uh, I think we could do good. Yeah. I, sure. Yeah, and I think – yeah. Appreciate what appreciate the heck what you uh, you know what you got going on too. I think it's helping you know it's definitely help going to help a lot of people. And with your with this uh, elk camp, elk oh, shaped yeah. camp coming up, man, that's that's great. Giving back and you know helping yeah. helping guys. That's that's awesome. I'm so stoked for it, man. Like I'm a little overwhelmed right now because uh, if you get to know me, I'm really OCD, neurotic, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Probably like all elk hunters. I'm driven. Like I'm just You're really, driven. I want it to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And I want to control what I can control, and mm-hmm. that's my effort on this thing. So I've been building PDFs like crazy. I want every guy walking out there with no excuse, like a full-on nutrition plan. It's awesome. A full-on workout program and movements. And uh, and then I was just talking to the archery coach yesterday. We're, we're going to get these guys shooting uphill, downhill, and even side-hill shots, teaching how to Excellent. use your bubble on, yes. those, on those steep – Steep down hang, like third axis, all that kind of stuff. There's a lot to it. I think some guys will know what I'm talking about, but I bet you there's a lot that don't. Yeah. And then we're going to do a little uh, train to hunt-ish. Shout out to my buddy Kenton, mm-hmm. uh, where we're going to – I'm going to take him through some shooting and address Excellent. drills. And, yeah. uh, and they're going to be sore. They're Absolutely. Gonna be, they're going to be really sore when they Absolutely. leave. Absolutely. Uh, and then Ryan Lampers, do you know him at all? Yeah. Yeah, I follow him. Yeah. He's a great dude. Very humble. Yeah. But I've hunted with him. And uh, I cover a lot of ground. He covers more. I bet. I, I've never met anyone who had that long of a stride in the mountains. <laughs> but uh, he's going to do backpacking systems. And then, your, you know, Dirk, your yeah. neighbor, um, he's going to come up and do the calling. And he's a phenomenal oh. caller. You all need to watch him on the Land of the Free 2.0. Yeah. So he's on there quite a bit. Absolutely. Um, I just pretty much humbled and grateful that we get to do this. We have a gym. We have an archery range. I just wish I could offer it to more people, but mm-hmm. man, if you have more than twenty people, yeah, it's not going to be quality. Yep. No, I think I think you're doing it right. I think you're doing it just right. That'll be that'll be good for guys. You bet. Should, yeah, looking forward. To it. Well, thank man, thanks for coming on. Enjoy the rest of your day, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting this one dropped out here soon, and uh, hopefully get uh, people exposed to your. I never asked you where you hunted. We're just going to say Idaho. Yeah. But the guys hunting in some places, it's really hard to find elk, let alone kill them, mm-hmm. and you're doing it. So to me, it's just like. How hard, are, how much are you willing to work? And yeah. Homeboy here, ain't afraid to put the work in. <laughs> well, no, I appreciate you having me on, Dan. I've, uh, like I said, yeah, I've, I've followed you for quite a while, and I, you know, I admired what you do for the, I mean, I'll call it the community. You know what I mean? You're, yeah. You know, you, you give, you're, you're providing, a, you're providing a service in your gym, and you're, you know, you're dropping knowledge to guys. Yeah, it'll be fun. For this learning curve, so. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, we'll do it again. Absolutely. All right.